This so, is the fun okay. size version. The, the fun size version <laughs> wow. of history. I did not follow you on that at all. <laughs> if you could have seen my face, I'm sitting there staring at him like with my eyebrows like I don't scrunch. think you I'm did like, your math what right. What are you talking about? I did algebra, so I know that's correct. <laughs> this is the Exploring the National Parks podcast with Dirt in My Shoes. My name is Ash, and I'm a former park ranger and the founder of Dirt in My Shoes. I think that the parks are best seen from the trail, and I'm here to make national park trip planning easy. And I'm John. I carry the kids on the trails, I tell stories, and notice all the things that Ash doesn't care about much, like rocks. Join us as we show you around America's spectacular national parks. We're sharing our favorite places, fun facts, adventures, and misadventures. And we'll even throw in a little trip planning. Let's start exploring. All right, here we go, folks. I'm taking you to South Dakota, the Wild West. We're going to Badlands National Park. I'm so excited about today's <laughs> Why do you fun- all of a sudden have a twang? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're going out to Badlands National Park. Yeehaw! Big old dip, 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 dip. <laughs> started saying something I didn't know where I was gonna That's go. That's funny. Yeah, that happens a lot, I feel like. Yeah, it does. Oh no, I'm so excited. Badlands National Park is incredible. If you've never been there, if you have no idea what this place is, we're gonna get into it today. And it is going to make you want to spend a fair amount of time there because it's it's a neat place. It's one of our favorite national parks. When we start traveling and thinking about road trips, we're always like, let's go to South Dakota. Oh, there's never a bad time to go to South Dakota. We've even <laughs> been there in the snow, which wouldn't be my ideal, but yes. you know, <laughs> when you got to go to South Dakota, you got to go. I know. It's so pretty all the time. It's gorgeous. Okay. So we're going to get into Badlands. We're going to do our five Fun facts, but just to kind of give you a little bit of background, Badlands National Park is in South Dakota. And, you know, it's one of these places, if you've never seen a Badland, what a Badland basically is, bad land. It's a geologic formation. It's kind of like hills or mounds or small mountains, basically, that just erode quickly. And, you know, they don't hold together very good. And so you get all of these non-uniform, nothing ever looks the same kind of shapes as you travel. And it mainly is these sections where you're kind of dropping down from a higher level to a lower level. And you've got all these different colors, all these different shades of reds and pinks and different yellows and things like that. And so it's just gorgeous. And then you mix in a lot of things that we'll talk today about. And, you know, it's just a great place to visit. I'm excited because I think as you drive through Badlands, if you don't really know what you're looking at, can be less than wowed. Right. I think. Um, Not that it's not pretty. It is. Just having some extra knowledge about the area will enhance your trip so much. Right. And it's not just here in South Dakota at Badlands National Park where you can see Badlands. Right. It's a specific type of formation. So you'll see them in North Dakota, too. North Dakota, Uh, Wyoming, Nebraska. Yeah, you'll see them in lots of different places. But the ones that we'll talk about today are a specific grouping that are a part of a specific type of Badland, and they're just awesome. But, you know, we'll get into kind of the geology of it in fun fact number one. But when you're discussing geology of many different locations, it's pretty common to be talking about the history of the place in like hundreds of millions of years. 
Right. Sometimes you know, the- even billions of years, you know, <laughs> when it comes, when we were talking about when we did our glacier episode or Grand Canyon episode, you know, we're talking about billions of years of geology. That's the time frames where it's like, ah, just tack on another billion. What does it matter? <laughs> exactly. What's another comma and another digit? Yeah. You know, let's just throw it on there. <laughs> My brain can't compute regardless. Exactly. So yeah. So as you get into shorter amounts of time, it gets a little bit more uncommon. So it's a little bit more uncommon to talk about things in the tens of millions of years. But it's very rare to discuss things geologically speaking, in the singular digits of millions of years. Right? Right. Because geologists love things that just happen over a long period of time. You know, that's kind of how they, that that's, that's their bread and butter things that happen over long periods of time. And to us as humans, I mean, our lifespans are generally like a hundred years, a million years to us is huge, but to earth, to a rock, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's nothing. Got yeah, nothing. Exactly. So fun fact, number one, These badlands are only here for a brief moment in time. Do not miss them. So that's fun fact number one. They're only here for a short period of time. Limited time only. You know, it's like when McDonald's comes out with the McRib, you know. Yeah, you got to go jump on that. (laughs) Exactly. Heaven forbid you miss out on the McRib. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You got to make sure it happens. Okay, so what am I talking about? Let's find out if I'm actually kind of exaggerating, you know, just to make this place cool. Okay, Earth, do you know, how how old do you estimate Earth to be? No, No, don't ask me that. (laughs) Earth is 4.5 billion years old. Okay. Okay, so that's really old. Now, geologists estimate that these badlands only have a lifespan about a million years. Yeah, that's really short. Compared yeah. to all the other fun facts episodes you've ever done, <laughs> a million years is is very short. Yeah, it's really short. And so now, but but even still, like a billion, what's what's a million, you know, versus a billion, you know, it's still crazy long time compared to our lifespans. And and so it's hard for us to appreciate numbers that big. So let's kind of take it down and compare that to our own lifespan. And and let's hope that we make it to a hundred years. Let's say that we live for a hundred years. These badlands in that 100 year lifespan will only be estimated to last just over a week. Eight days of your 100 year lifespan when these badlands will be here. <laughs> you mean compared to the 4.5 billion compared to the 1 million? <laughs> yeah, let's shrink it down. to yes. if, if 100 the one... years. Yes. So oh, if, so... I was like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's so too short. If we were to equate, like shrink down the 4.5 billion uh, to equal the 100 years. Yeah, okay. That's when... So You're that's, trying to make it more bite-sized. Yes. Yes. This so, is the fun-size okay. version. The, the fun-size version <laughs> wow. of history. I did not follow you on that at all. <laughs> if you could have seen my face, I'm sitting there staring at him like with my eyebrows like I don't scrunch. think you I'm did like, your math what right. What are you talking about? I did algebra, so I know <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I got you. I'm following. Yeah. So... If the Earth's lifespan was brought down to 100 years, these badlands would only be here for eight days of that 100 years. Okay. And so that's yeah. how short-lived these geologic formations really are. And so you couldn't tell me that if out of your 100-year lifespan, that if something was only going to happen for one week, you wouldn't make it there. Right. You got to make it there. Right. It's so cool. Now, luckily, 
things are actually moving in geologic time and so not in human time and so these bad lines aren't going anywhere soon they're not going anywhere quickly so i just want to help people appreciate how fleeting this moment in earth's history really is now why is it so fleeting why does it why are these only going to be here for such a short period of time well the answer comes from where they came from and how they came to be so i'm going to give you a question and you do have to answer this one Ugh. It's a trick question. <laughs> no, no. You will, you Why will, are you always trying no. to trick me? <laughs> it's not a trick question in that it's going to be hard for you to get the answer. It's a trick question that you already know the answer. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it all starts from where they came from. Guess where Badlands was 75 million years oh, yeah, ago. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> it, was a, it was a shallow sea, <laughs> like all the rest of everywhere in the West. <laughs> exactly. Correct. Five points to Hufflepuff Listen, or Slytherin. Slytherin. You're in Slytherin. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Hufflepuff. When have I ever been referred to? I'm not nice enough to be a Hufflepuff. <laughs> we all know that. That's probably true. Five points to Slytherin. Good job. You nailed it. But yes, much like a lot of the other places and many of other, our other fun facts episodes, Badlands was under a shallow sea. It was at the bottom of the ocean 75 million years ago. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this in the fossil episode. That's where the Mosasaur lived. Yeah. That giant beast of a creature um, that lived here in Badlands. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, because it used to be a sea and this was like the king of the ocean. Yes. So, super cool history in that regard as well. Yes. And so this shallow sea was actually called the Western Interior Seaway. And so it was a major inland sea that cut North America basically in half diagonally from like the top of Alaska all the way diagonal through North America, kind of culminating, I guess, in the Gulf of Mexico near Texas. Okay. And so this inland sea really just like split North America in half. It was massive. It was a massive inland sea. And it was just awesome. It was a fairly shallow sea that was pretty warm and had lots of awesome wildlife. But... These badlands are really about two things, deposition and erosion. Deposition is where the sediments all came from, how they got there. And so what happens a lot of times is rivers and things will wash sand and other sediments out of mountains and will deposit them at the bottom of these seas. And that's where badlands is. So all of these sediments they brought here, they're laid down over millions of years. And that started about 75 million years ago. And then it stopped and erosion of this area started about 28 million years ago. So there's like basically like a 50 million year period where the sediments for Badlands were being laid down. And you would be correct in thinking that this was during the time of the dinosaurs. And you did mention the Mosasaur. But because Badlands, like this whole area was under the sea, the dinosaurs were really more land creatures. They didn't really swim. And so it was too deep for them to swim out here. So we really don't have any dinosaur bones or anything like that. Yeah, you have... don't find dinosaur fossils in Badlands. Right. You find Mosasaur, which technically wasn't really a dinosaur. Right. We're going to talk about him in a minute, but okay. he's super cool. Yeah. But yeah, because this whole area was under the sea, basically, 
then you don't get all the dinosaur fossils that you would think you would get in an area so rich with fossils. Exactly. So these layers that were laid down, there's basically, they're organized into like five main geologic formations covering that 50 million years. And so you'll see lots of different layers, lots of different colors. They're basically divided into five main layers and formations. But what is important is what those layers are made of because that's what allows these formations to erode the way that they do. And so I'm going to name off some things to you and you tell me what they have in common. Okay, great. <laughs> so the formations in Badlands contain sandstones, siltstones, mudstones, claystones, limestones, volcanic ash, and shale. All right. First well, impressions. None of those are things that are hard. Yeah. Exactly. Not, those are not hard rocks at all. Those are highly erosive. Correct. Rocks. None of them seem super sturdy, right? And so none of none maybe of, maybe the limestone more than others. Yeah. The limestone can be pretty sturdy, but it also it erodes depends, away quickly given the right conditions. Where it's at, yeah. And so none of these things are things that the wise man would build his house upon, oh, basically. Yeah. <laughs> sand (laughs) exactly the sand or i'm gonna build this on mud stones yeah clay stones not a good idea no none of these are very sturdy so geologists have found that these badlands are eroding at a rate of one inch per year which is a lot what yeah and especially when you consider how fast things are eroding other places if you go to the west of badlands you go to the black hills those are mostly granite. There's a ton of granite in the Black Hills, which is one of our reasons. We love granite. We think it's so oh, pretty. Oh, granite's the best. Yeah. yeah. These same geologists are estimating that the Black Hills, the granite there is eroding at a rate of one inch per 10,000 years. <laughs> That's so much different. Yeah. Wait, so you said one inch per year for Badlands. Right. One inch per 10,000 years for the Black Hills. Exactly. Which are just... An hour to the west. Right. These badlands are literally eroding 10,000 times faster than any rocks close by. Yeah, that's crazy. Basically. So that's, that explains a lot of why, you know, this is such a short-lived phenomenon, basically. And so according to these geologists, these badlands are full-on middle-aged because they say that they, the erosion started about 500,000 years ago and... So that's half a million years ago. And so they estimate that they will be completely gone within the next half a million years. So we're like smack dab in the middle of the lifespan of these. Okay, cool. So you're not seeing baby Badlands and you're not seeing old Badlands. You're seeing the Badlands in their prime. The golden years. The best of all, (laughs) the best of times for these Badlands. Oh yeah, we're definitely seeing them at their peak, I think. And so it's super neat to be able to be here at this point in time. But just to reiterate, fun fact number one, these Badlands are only here for a limited time only, a brief moment in time. So don't miss them. Like the McRib. (laughs) Like the McRib. So many other items from menus that I could mention right now. (laughs) So yeah, so that's really cool. That's fun fact number one. Now we're going to move on to fun fact number two, because... It's one of the coolest and funnest things to learn about Badlands. We're going to talk a little bit about paleontology. Okay. The Badlands in Badlands National Park are actually, we already mentioned it, they're not the only Badlands in the world, right? And so you can see Badlands in other places. I mentioned Wyoming, Utah, North Dakota. There's some in Colorado and Nebraska. 
But the Badlands that you'll find here in South Dakota are actually part of what they call the White River Badlands. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, the White River Badlands are located primarily here in South Dakota, but there are some extensions in other places. But Badlands National Park is the best and greatest and most awesome example of this specific Badland formation. So imagine like you're taking the SAT or the ACT. This was the types of the fun questions that they always ask. Badlands National Park is to blank as Michael Jackson is to pop music. (laughs) (laughs) Or Elvis is to rock and roll. Kevin James, Doug Heffernan is to Queens. Do I do I get a, a multiple choice? You do not get a multiple choice. Oh, I just have to fill it? Well, I'll just keep going. Okay. Or Little Debbie is to individually wrapped snack pastry items. <laughs> Especially the oatmeal cream pie. Oh, gross. <laughs> the My dad loves those too. I love, no, so the Badlands National Park is to king of Badlands, basically. Like Michael Jackson is the king of pop. You know, Elvis is the king of rock and roll. That's why I never did well on these questions. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't quit your day job. (laughs) I won't. Don't worry. No, but so these Badlands, this is like the best example possible of this type of White River Badland. So what I'm trying to say is the Badlands National Park is the OG, the king and queen of their respective genre, you know, much like the aforementioned people and food products. Keep that in mind as I make this next statement. Okay. So that these Badlands are the best. Okay. The word dinosaur was made a word in 1841. Okay. Okay. Which is kind of weird to think like someone invented a word. What did they call them before that? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The word dinosaur was made in 1841. Okay. Fun fact number two. Here we go. There was a point in the mid 1800s where of the 84 species of animals that had been identified in the North American fossil record, 77 were found in the White River Badlands. 77 out of 84? Yeah. Well, that's cool. Out of all of North America's fossil records, basically. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So that shows how important this place is, right, to paleontology. It's just like the epicenter. It's the mecca where everything is happening in terms of paleontology. Badlands National Park was at the very center of it all. 77 out of 84, that's like 90% of all fossils that were found in North America were found in Badlands National Park. Nice. In mid-1800s? In the mid-1800s, right after dinosaurs were even, like, the concept of dinosaurs or, like, the word dinosaur was even made when, like, everything started. Everybody was, like, rushing to Badlands because, dude, that's where all the dinosaurs, that's where all the bones are. Everything is in South Dakota. And so amidst, like, everything else that's going on in the world, like, in the mid-1800s were pretty tumultuous in a lot of ways. But there's lots of stuff going on. But in the middle of it all, people are like, dude, dinosaurs. But then they got to South Dakota and were disappointed. No, they got here and they were super... Well, they maybe didn't want to live here. Well, no. Live there. (laughs) South Dakota's great. I'm just saying they didn't actually find our dinosaur bones. Right. So... They they didn't find the dinosaur bones. Were they looking for dinosaur bones or did they just like know that there were lots of fossils there and they were excited? To be there. So I think this will answer your question in sort of a roundabout way. Do you remember when we were first married, how we would always watch Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Nobody judge us. I love that Are show. you kidding me? Jane Seymour? I know. And Sully? Those guys, are, she, he was the manliest guy. That's why I want a wolf dog. 
I, my love for Sully. Yes. Okay. Continue. Okay. So Dr. Quinn ends up settling. I think it was Colorado Springs right. is where she was. And so well, there was an episode during one of the seasons where like this college professor from a university back East, you know, he comes out to Colorado Springs and he visits all the town people and he's like, listen, dinosaurs or something that are, it's a new phenomenon. It's super cool. But long ago, they, you know, he explains what dinosaurs are. And he's like, we're finding bones everywhere. And he just asks all the town people in Colorado Springs, like, bring me bones, you know, just bring me fossils. And so like everybody in town is like in this major uproar. Everybody's like trying to sell him dinosaur bones and things like that. Like everybody's just like, it's this major phenomenon in town. And so he like examines all the things that people bring him, you know, oh yes, this is a dinosaur bone or that's a dinosaur bone or that's a total fake, you know, you're just bringing me a deer bone and kind of thing. So he was educated enough. This was like stuff that actually happened. There were two main professors that were kind of battling it out during this time frame to be the dinosaur expert. And so what they would do is they would go all over you know, different places. They would try to get as many bones as they could. They would compete with each other. A lot of times they would even destroy each other's finds in order to make their finds look even more important. And so it was kind of a shady Wild West moment in terms of dinosaur bones. They call them bone wars. And so it's a super cool period of time. And they actually did find one bone and it was Lauren, the general storekeeper, <laughs> He was basically just using a bone to prop open the door to his store. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you remember this episode. <laughs> it's so cool. But I think this was all during the time frame where they were figuring out the fossil record. Okay. And so, I mean, were they disappointed when they got to South Dakota that they didn't find dinosaurs? I don't even think they had a full idea of the time frames they were looking for and had an understanding of yet. Okay. And so it was like, this is a cool jawbone. It's way different from this jawbone. It looks older. Okay. Uh, let's all take, let's just take it all back to the lab and figure it out there. Right. Because there was a ton of fossils to find yes. here. So it's not like they weren't finding things. Right. It's just that the fossils at Badlands are just not as old. Correct. As other places. Right. Well, because we just talked about the time frame for the Badland formation, right? Right. 75 million years to like 28 million years ago. Right. And so that's the time frame we're looking for. And dinosaurs were alive during that 75 million year, the end of it, basically. But it was just other creatures like the Mosasaur and, right. and sea creatures is what they can find. But really, what Badlands is famous for is its mammal record right tons yeah. and tons of mammals and that's where you get the big pig dig and yeah the jaw bones or the skull of the the cats yes and all that yeah so so just to let's let's take a step back in time just a little bit together so what's going on here is 75 million years ago yes everything was alive dinosaurs were alive we got the shallow sea and everything boom 65 million years ago or right around there giant extinction event okay dinosaurs are gone like the whole planet's basically been decimated okay in terms of life there are lots of things that survived and what did survive and what basically was allowed to take over the time of the dinosaurs is over the time of the mammal is upon us and so what badlands records really well is that mammal record and so you've got things like you know ancient 
they call them oreodonts. So you've got like a Amer- North American. It's like a mix between like a camel sheep pig kind of creature. Yeah, I you- like that description. <laughs> like, uh... You've got and so you've got. What's weird is because we're trying to like use our modern language to describe animals yeah, that are no longer exist. And it's so just it's a like, camel sheep pig. Yeah, camel sheep pig. You've got hornless rhinos. You've got the ancient ancestor of the horse that was here in North America mm-hmm. that was more like the size of a dog. And then you've got other much bigger things, like you mentioned, the great pig dig. So the the great pig dig is, it's the I don't even know how to say this thing. It's like an archaeotherium is what the name of the specific creature is. But if you are trying to picture what this animal looked like, you know, in Lord of the Rings, <laughs> of course, it comes back to Lord of the Rings. But you remember on the Two Towers video when like King Theoden is leading all the people away from their home and taking them to Helm's Deep. You remember that short period of time? Yeah, that's when you think that Aragorn dies, right? Right, exactly. Okay. And so that's when he falls... That, that's, that's exactly the scene I needed you to remember because <laughs> what what happened, why we think he dies is because of the warg riders. Right. He gets dragged. He gets dragged mm-hmm. by the warg rider. The warg gets, goes off a cliff. Okay. These wargs are like what the big pigs looked like. Okay. Okay. And the new Lord of the Rings series, the Rings of Power series has wargs as well that are a little bit more true to life. Than I, that what these pigs look like. Like they look less like a dog wolf and more like way bigger faces. Like their faces are a lot longer. And so these wargs are basically like what this big, could you imagine living back that time and having these giant warg pig things like just roaming around the countryside? That'd be yeah, terrifying. Yeah. And the big pig dig, they found a bunch Tons. Yeah, tons of bones. Yeah. And fossils. Right. Well, because you're thinking, okay, the Badlands area was under a sea. It had to obviously be risen up out of that sea. So the climate here changed significantly over a long period of time. It went from a shallow sea to like something more like Florida, you know, hot and humid and really kind of tropical. As it got higher and higher, the whole landscape, the climate changed. It got drier. And so the big pig dig basically. As this area dried out, there was a few, only a few, like major watering holes that a lot of animals would gather at. And as they got more and more desperate for water, they would climb into these things. They would get stuck in the mud and that's where they died. But these watering holes here, the big pig dig is one of those major watering holes. And it has tons and tons of fossils because there were just so many animals all in this one spot and it's not just like the big pigs you know there's also a bunch of other creatures you know there's nimrviz which was kind of like the saber-toothed cat that you were talking about before so this brings up actually my favorite funny animal that existed in the fossil record and it just goes to show that this time period everything had to have teeth because the creature that i think is the funniest is actually called leptomerix and a leptomerix is actually it's a tiny hornless mouse deer okay yeah i was thinking that was the mouse deer <laughs> whatever that is exactly so we act, mouse deer creatures still kind of exist there i think they're in south america and they call them like the the chevrotains or something like that but basically just like imagine shrink a deer down to the size of like a a purse chihuahua basically is what it is and then add for the males 
add saber tooth teeth. What about the females? <laughs> we need to protect ourselves too. <laughs> females didn't have any teeth. Didn't have the saber tooth teeth. What are they supposed to do? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But I just think it's like the funniest creature. Like, okay, so let's create like the cutest possible animal, you know, that could be like your companion creature that you can take around with you in your purse and then add massive teeth, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's like the funniest creature. Like if I, I feel like it's something that our kids would see at the pet store and be like, oh, daddy, can we please take one home with us? And I would be like, eventually I would give in, you know? It's like on Galaxy Quest with the little guys. Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> exactly. And then they sneer. Yeah, know, exactly. They show their giant teeth. And then and they end like, up no, eating each no, other. No, not cute. Run. <laughs> we got to get out of this before that guy, one of those eats guy. Yeah. Exactly. I just picture me like having one in my house and my family thinks they're so cute. And then it just like sh- uh, shows up in like random scary places. Like I'm, I open the fridge to get something out, <laughs> you know, and then I close the fridge door and it's like right there. There's the mouse deer. Exactly. Looking at me with those, and it's like licking its canine teeth, you know, its big saber tooth teeth. Or like I'm getting out of the shower, and as I pull open the curtain, it's just like sitting there on the ground, you know, <laughs> or I'm sleeping, and then suddenly it just appears right next to my face, you know, kind of creepy. That's what a mouse deer is. That's what the leptomerics would, at least I'm, the males. Yeah, I'm pretty bitter about the females just being left <laughs> with nothing. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I know. It's so great. We just had to use our brains. Yeah. We didn't need big teeth. We just were smarter. Or you probably. just got eaten. Yeah. <laughs> By all these other very, things. That doesn't seem very evolutionary. Not very fair. But then we come to the really cool beasts. Okay. These ones are called the Brontotheres. Okay. That's their name. And that means thunder beasts. Mm-hmm. Okay. And these ones are just so cool. They're mammals too, but they're eight feet tall at the shoulders and 16 feet long. They're the largest mammal till the mammoths came along later on in the fossil record, but they're about two feet taller and they somewhat resemble modern rhinos, but a lot like modern rhinos actually, but they're two feet taller and like four feet longer. And so these creatures are just huge. I don't know. And they they traveled in like small herds, but I can just imagine just, you know, that, that scene of Dances with Wolves where he actually, he's in his cabin at night and then he just everything starts to shake Mm -hmm. you know and he he runs outside and he just hears look like sounds like thunder and then he looks around and he sees like a giant herd of buffalo Mm -hmm. that's exactly what i picture these things to be like yeah or that would make a really great like boxing name or like monster truck name or something like that that's also what i think thunder beast thunder beast coming to a stadium near you that's gonna be my name i I love it Oh, they're so cool. Yeah. Then we're jumping way back to the very beginning of the, the fossil record for Badlands, and that's the Mosasaur. Most of you listening have seen a Mosasaur. You just didn't realize it because you were thinking about the T-Rexes in Jurassic World. But the Mosasaurs are the real hero in the movie because if you remember, the Mosasaur is the one that's in the ocean. It's in the water. It eats a great white shark for like a snack. And then at the very end of the movie... You've got the Indominus Rex at the very end of the movie fighting T-Rex and the Velociraptor. And then the Velociraptor and the T-Rex are like a perfect one-two punch, you know, to get the Indominus Rex close to the water. And then the Mosasaur literally just like leaps out of the water, takes a couple of big snaps, and then just pulls the Indominus Rex back into the ocean, you know, where it meets its demise. 
And so these mosasaurs could be up to like 59 feet long and they were huge. Okay. They're just, imagine them like they're not really related necessarily to crocodiles and alligators because they're a little bit different. They actually evolved. They were land lizards first, so complete land lizards, and then they evolved back into the ocean basically. And so they're just a little bit different in the fossil record, but they're just huge. They're these huge creatures that literally, I mean, the T-Rex max, maybe 40 feet long. And so this is like a third size longer and just all mouth. It's all mouth. It's huge, massive jaws. And like I said, you've seen it in Jurassic World at the very end of the movie. And if you haven't, watch it in the YouTube. But man, those creatures were all over this place. They're so cool. That was like the big main dinosaur thing in the water. (laughs) So I just love it because I'm like, oh man, that guy was mean. He was just all over eating everything. Yeah. He was the king and he knew it. King of the ocean. Yeah. He's the little Debbie of snacks. Uh Uh-huh. You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. All right. So in conclusion of fun fact two, Badlands National Park is considered to be the birthplace of vertebrate paleontology in the American West. And it remains an important and exciting part of paleontology now. It's so so cool. You'll see the park so much differently if you drive through it just knowing how many fossils they have found here. Yeah. And that they're still finding them and that normal people are finding them just while they're hiking and while they're out doing stuff. And so, you know, who knows? Maybe you'll discover the next cool thing in Badlands. It's true. It's so cool. All right. We're going to move on from paleontology and geology. So fun fact number three, Badlands National Park protects one of the largest expanses of mixed grass prairie in the U.S. Okay. What's interesting about that is, especially as you're driving, you know, as you make your way to Badlands, you know, you're going through a national grassland, but a lot of the times you're just seeing farmland all over the place, all around you. And so when this area, we'll talk a little bit about this slightly during the human history section in Fun Fact 5, but a lot of this place, once it started getting settled, you know, people were cutting up they were plowing, you know, the grasslands were really almost became in, you could say, almost endangered in a lot of ways. And so the fact that this place preserves a grassland is actually really unique and special because all around in South Dakota, Nebraska, all throughout the Great Plains areas, that land is mostly now used for agriculture. And so what the prairies and the grasslands that remain are actually really unique and special. Nice. I think it's really a understated beauty. Yeah. And it's something that I've come to really appreciate about Badlands is seeing those beautiful rock formations coming out of the grasslands, literally. Uh-huh. It's yeah. pretty cool. It is really cool. And so the the grasslands here kind of are they're they're unique too because they're called it's a it's a mixed grass prairie and so what that means is so the grasslands coming out of the east You know, as you go from the East Coast heading West, you're going from really, really wet to drier. And so the grasslands east of Badlands are a lot taller. They need a lot more water. And as you go West, things get drier. The grasslands get shorter and the species change accordingly. And so Badlands is perfectly situated to be kind of in the middle. And so you've got a little bit of both worlds. You've got some taller grasses from the east. You've got some shorter, drier grasses from the west. And Badlands has them all right here. There's actually over 400 different species of plants in Badlands. And lots of those are different kinds of grasses. 
Ah, 400 surprises me because I feel like I can think of like three. (laughs) You know what I mean? When you look at it, it doesn't seem like there's that much variety. Right. So that's pretty impressive too. And it does make sense that most of those would be grasses because when you're looking at Badlands, it just, a lot of it just looks like grass. Mm -hmm. So that's cool that there's so many different types of grasses all mixed in there and you're not just looking at one kind. Yeah. And and grasses are super hardy, but they're also a major food source. You know, these thunder beasts that we were just talking about, you know, it also modern thunder beasts, the buffalo and all these other. Pla- <laughs> is that is that scientific? The, the- modern thunder beasts <laughs> or the buffalo? That's what I'm calling them. Yeah, for sure. They're a main food source for all these creatures. And so they're plants. They have to be able to deal with heat, the drought, you know, really long, cold winters, fires sometimes too. And so, I mean, they've, grasses are pretty incredible this way. They're very special. But one thing in particular that I really want to point out is they do a really cool job. So earlier, you mentioned before, you can kind of see when we were talking about the formations of the Badlands, how you can kind of look out and see like almost like little islands. Yeah, uh, there are islands of grass in between the Badlands. Yes. So there's a technical name for those. I like prefer calling them, you know, the islands of grassland or or prairie islands. But the technical name for them is sod tables. And as you travel throughout the West, especially the Southwest, you know, places like Bryce Canyon, but there's a lot of other places kind of near Kanab and some things like that too, where they have like, they call them mushroom rocks. Right. And Mm -hmm. so what is a mushroom rock according to what you understand? Well, if you look at the pictures of Bryce Canyon, I mean, those are hoodoos. They're tall and Mm -hmm. not narrow because they're massive, but like tall and skinny when you're looking at them. Mushroom rocks, to me, uh, they're much shorter Uh generally and squat. Right. (laughs) And then they almost have like a capstone on top. Yes. I feel like. So it actually does look like a mushroom. Exactly. Yeah. You'll see them near Kanab in Utah down by Lake Powell. You'll see them, Goblin Valley right. uh, is a state park in Utah that's kind of down by the Mighty Five that would have lots of mushroom rocks, things like that. So as a Utahn, we see lots of mushroom rocks. Right. And the mushroom rocks, the capstone is, does a really important job. The mushroom rock wouldn't exist without the capstone because the capstone, the top of these mushroom rocks is built out of a stronger rock than whatever is surrounding it. And so it's a sturdier, harder to erode kind of rock. And so it allows whatever is underneath it to remain, even though everything around it has already like totally deteriorated and eroded to nothing. So the capstone is the strong part. Yes, the capstone Mm -hmm. is the strongest part. Now, here at Badlands, we don't really have a lot of those super strong rocks to preserve, you know, and make any of these spires necessarily. And to slow down the erosion process a little bit. Exactly. (laughs) So it doesn't just all wash away all the time. Exactly. There there are some things in the in the geology that allow some of these taller badlands to remain. We're not going to get into that. But generally speaking, there's no mushroom rocks really here at Badlands. What takes the place and what does the job of that capstone here at Badlands is the grass. Mm-hmm. The sod table. Is the sod That's table. the cap. Exactly. Yeah. And so the the when you're looking out from these viewpoints, looking out at these grasslands and you're seeing these islands of prairie or these sod tables, the reason that you have those is because the grass is holding everything together. It absorbs the water and makes it so that everything that it's standing on can remain for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years beyond everything else that's around it. And eventually... Those probably will erode and turn into regular badlands without the grass 
Correct. on top. But it is just, it's putting a pause a little bit on the process so that not everything's eroding at the same rate. Right. But what's super cool about these prairie islands and these sod tables is that they also preserve archaeological stuff. And so when everything else is eroded in the fossil record, where we find a lot of the most important and some of the coolest human history is in these sod tables Mm. because they're keeping the geological record, they're keeping everything preserved and they're keeping it there in stasis basically for us to come and find it because otherwise it would just erode away and everything would be gone. And so these sod tables are like miniature time capsules is what they are. And so they're super cool. And so the grass does so many cool things and I really love it. So that's fun fact number three, Badlands preserves an awesome amount of grassland It's a huge proportion of what's left, and and it's a really special place. So we're going to move on to fun fact number four. Fun fact number four is that Badlands National Park has had three major wildlife reintroductions. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't believe that there were so many reintroductions, and they're more important and bigger creatures than you would imagine. Three, though. I mean, that's pretty high because they don't often do wildlife reintroductions exactly in the first place right but then to have three in the same park and this park is not very big it's like what like seventy one thousand acres or something which is quite small yeah and so interesting for this specific location to have three different animals reintroduce is really unique and so we're going to go through those really quickly but the first one is my favorite animal in the world. Yeah, I figured it. The buffalo. A one. Yeah, the <laughs> buffalo. Okay. Now, so the buffalo, even though Badlands National Park is located in the Great Plains, which was easily historically with well within their natural range. I mean, they ranged from Canada to Mexico, from Oregon all the way to New York. So buffalo were everywhere. So this is easily right in the middle. But in the history of America, you know, as expansion came west, you know, and as the US Army and everything were trying to kill all the buffalo to kind of help with the what they considered an Indian problem, the buffalo just kind of disappeared and they actually had to reintroduce the buffalo back to Badlands National Park. And so they did that and the buffalo here now, I mean they're in really good condition. They have more than like 1200 buffalo in the herd. And they actually have to round them up uh, nearly every year and kind of like reduce the, the herd number because there's too many living there because it's such a good place for them. Nice. And so, but I have to read something from their site that oh, I just think is I love so these. funny. Okay. I love reading from the NPS site. So this is straight from the National Park website. What's in a name? There are many names for the American bison. Scientifically, the Plains bison subspecies found in Badlands National Park are of the genus bison, of the species bison, and the subspecies bison. If you ask a wildlife biologist, these animals are called bison, bison, bison. (laughs) (laughs) Although these animals have bison three times in their scientific name, they are often called buffalo. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. I just feel like there's some person, some scientist somewhere, some biologist that's just like, I'm so sick of people calling these buffalo. They're bison, 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 bison. (laughs) 
as John Cackles because he refuses to call them bison. I know. I will never call them bison, even though you have all the reasons in the world scientifically to correct me. Buffalo is what the French, the trappers called them when they first came over. And then, you know, we have buffalo soldiers, you know, the buffalo hunters. Everything in culture is buffalo. Everything in science is bison. Yeah. And I will... I will not agree to bison. So. <laughs> you, you're strongly on the culture side of that uh, <laughs> argument. I'll go between the two. Yes. I say both. Yep. But this is why I call them modern thunder beasts, because they originally, like scientists, the same scientists that call them bison, they, <laughs> <laughs> they estimate that at one point in time, there were more than 30 million bison or buffalo roaming across North America. Yeah. 30 million and in giant herds. I can just imagine just like that scene, you know, in Dances with Wolves, like as soon as they start running, man, you would be able to not just hear it, you would feel it. And just like Thunder Man, I think it would be so cool to see some of those giant herds back in their heyday. Yeah. That would be so cool. Okay. Creature number two that was reintroduced. Bighorn sheep. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. I was wondering, because I was trying to think of what animals you really see at Badlands. And for sure, like the top ones that you think of are buffalo and bighorn sheep. Yep, exactly. So that's interesting that they were reintroduced. Yep. Real quickly, they were actually reintroduced from... Pike's Peak. So they took them from Pike's Peak in Colorado and they introduced a bunch of them here now. And now Badlands is a home to more than 250 bighorn sheep. And so it's so cool to see. I love watching them climb up the Badlands. No, it's awesome. It will take, I mean, I could sit there for hours and just watch them climb. Yeah. They're so sure footed. Yeah. I love those things. Creature number three that was introduced is actually a really interesting story the black footed ferret. Okay. Okay. I've a lot not of people seen probably one of those. Yeah, a lot of people haven't heard of these. But at one point in time, this species was actually considered extinct, completely extinct. Now, the black-footed ferrets are carnivores, and they actually eat prairie dogs. Oh, really? Yeah, ninety percent of their diet is prairie dogs, and so Ooh. which is really interesting. I had a friend growing up that had a ferret for a pet. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say you don't think of those as being like cuddly and cute yeah they don't eat prairie dogs they're vicious little creatures (laughs) (laughs) they're like they're like the rabbit from monty python and the holy grail um but no so what happened was there was a period of time during the 19 i think it was the 60s or something like that where prairie dogs they can actually catch a disease that we catch and it's the black plague yeah bubonic plague yeah when they catch it it just like runs through their little colonies man and it just decimates their populations And so, which is one reason why you should never feed prairie dogs, because you don't want to catch Black Plague. But anyways, Black Plague ran through prairie dog populations all over the U.S. And because most of their food source dried up, a lot of the black-footed ferret population just plummeted, just gone. And eventually, they couldn't find any of them. And so, they just were like, oh, man, that's too bad. They're extinct. Well, one day, there was a dog named Shep, and he was out and I don't, whether he hunted it or just found it or whatever, well, he ended up bringing a black-footed ferret back to his owner. And his owner was like, wait a minute. And he took it to a biologist. They identified it. And then they found the community. There was like one last community left of black-footed ferrets on the continent. And then they ended up watching it. And 
you know, they decided eventually to capture all of them and then they bred them in captivity until now. So they reintroduced a population of them back into Badlands National Park and the population has done so well that they actually took ferrets from Badlands and reintroduced them into Wind Cave. Oh, interesting. And so the population now, thankfully, has done very well. And it's just a really successful reintroduction story. Badlands National Park, three reintroductions successfully. It's got a great track record. Nice. So <laughs> That's one of the best parts of Badlands is seeing those animals. So. Yeah, exactly. So the wildlife here, a lot of it, I mean, we got to take care of it. And so we, it's awesome. We can see them. Badlands National Park, fun fact, lots of great wildlife. So now we're going to move on to fun fact number five. And... I always know you know what this one's always going to be because I like to do the same one. I love fun fact number five. It's probably my favorite (laughs) always. Yes. So fun fact number five, Badlands human history is awesome. And it goes back so far, farther than I think we probably even realize or that we even know. But we're going to start with the name. Okay. So the name Badlands actually comes from the Native American people, comes straight from the Lakota tribe. And so they actually called these formations, they called it Makosika, which literally translate to bad lands. And the reason that they called it this is because these bad lands, they don't grow anything and they're super kind of hard to travel over. And the reason that we think that it's mainly because it's so hard to travel over is because the French trappers that first kind of came over here and were interacting with the Lakota people, that's what they called it in French is what they literally say it in French, bad lands to travel across. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can relate to that after we talked about a saddle pass yeah. <laughs> in our other episode and trying to get up to the pass and being unsuccessful. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Plus, if there's any rain or anything like that, it literally turns to like a mudslide. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way you're getting up these badlands if there's any rain or any moisture, nothing like that. So it could be a real challenge to travel across. It's just bad land. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm with them on that. Yes. So more so than that, the other thing that I wanted to talk about real quick is the Thunder Beasts. The name for the Thunder Beasts actually comes from the oral tradition of a lot of Native American peoples. And so the paleontologist that named those Brontotheres Thunder Beasts kind of got the story from people like Red Cloud. He actually was friends with Chief Red Cloud and he shared some stories with him and those stories inspired him about those Brontotheres that eventually ended up with the name and the kind of the cool idea behind Thunder Beasts. Mm -hmm. So it's cool, but people have been here for thousands of years. Like the earliest evidence of people being in the area was over 12,000 years ago. So people have been using this area as kind of a seasonal hunting ground for thousands of years up until about the 1700s when horses really became introduced to a lot of the local native peoples. Once that happened, that's when the people who were here, the Lakota, really became kind of what... A lot of people kind of imagine, you know, the Native American peoples in the Great Plains to be, which was like the great hunter warriors that followed the buffalo around the plains and really subsisted based on, you know, the buffalo. That was their main food source. They built their whole community and kind of culture around following the buffalo all over the plains. 
I love that imagery too. I think the Lakota tribe is one of the coolest tribes in the country. Oh yeah. Uh, and we <laughs> like we totally geek out on this stuff. I mean, we read a book about Crazy Horse as written f- uh, by a Lakota tribe member. Right. And it was one of the coolest books I've ever read. I, I can't remember what it was called. If I think of it, I'll link it in the show in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But just the whole history around of uh, the native peoples of the area is so intriguing and it's really beautiful imagery of them living out here and just thriving right in this area of South Dakota. Well, they had 30 million buffalo that yeah. they could chase around, you know, and so it gave them a lot of food. But I feel like a lot of us, the, the main, you know, Hollywood image of this culture comes from Dances with Wolves. Yeah. You know, it, it's probably... It depicts a lot of the conflict that then ensued afterwards between the Lakota people, between a lot of the settlers, between the U.S. government and the army. I mean, I feel like Dances with Wolves does a really good job of kind of illustrating a lot of the true aspects of life at that time. It was really interesting because, I mean, when the settlers first started coming out or the pioneers were first making their way over to California... Or Oregon, you know, a lot of the Lakota people were just, they like watched a train almost. It was like a train of white-topped wagons, you know, on their way out west. And over time, as the settlers did more prospecting, maybe in the Black Hills, or they spent more time settling, there was a lot more conflict with the Native Americans. And that conflict eventually ended up with, you know, the story that we see play out, you know, in Dances with Wolves and a lot of Hollywood movies, but in actual history where the Native Americans were actually removed from their ancestral land, put on reservations, Euro-Americans ended up settling in the area, thus starting the new chapter of the whole Badlands area of settlement, agriculture, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, that's a really nice way of putting it, <laughs> but it was messy and and sad. It was. That the whole history there of of that land changing hands right between the native people and and the other people who other settlers who tried to come in. So Right. Well, it goes from like treaty between the Americans and the Native Americans and then the settlers end up breaking the treaty and then they ended up fighting and then have another treaty and then that one so gets broken. De- so much death and so much sadness, uh but I mean that is the history of the area. Right. And the Black Hills that uh, this area is just like an hour west of Badlands. But I mean, it's still very sacred to the native people that live in the area. Um, Part of Badlands National Park is still on a Native American land. Right. You know, and so it's kind of it's kind of messy still. Yeah. There's still a lot of it's not resolved. Right. Even now. So um, when you come to this area, just come with a, a reverence and respect for the people who have lived here for thousands and thousands of years. Right. And as you're exploring around, just, I think, really embracing how messy it was mm-hmm. and how sad it was. Right. While still just really enjoying how beautiful it is. Yeah. And what's kind of nice is that there's, I mean, with that crazy horse monument is that you can come and kind of celebrate some of the famous figures that were great warriors and chief and leaders of the Lakota people. You can celebrate some of the really awesome aspects of their culture. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of history in the area yeah. and, and it's still evolving. Yeah. It's not a uh, fixed 
at all. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's true. It's just, but it is, it is a big part of this area of the country. Right. And then, you know, time frame, you know, then we move into a whole new chapter, a whole new chapter of this whole Badlands area of South Dakota where settlement happens. And that was a big part of that is the Homestead Act, you know, where people were able to come out to the West and, and claim their own 160 acres. But what's really interesting and kind of funny is I couldn't imagine being the first person to kind of come out here and claim my 160 acres and then actually walk my 160 acres <laughs> and then think to myself, where do I get a drink? You guys, if you're from the East Coast or the Eastern side of the United States <laughs> and you come out West, I mean, it's opposite for us. We get over to the East and we're like, oh my gosh, there's so many trees here. Like you can't even see anything. All you can see are trees because we're used to not having trees and shrubberies and water and everything, you know, out here in the West. Shrubberies. We've got sagebrush. I guess maybe that counts as a shrubbery. But but so it's kind of opposite for us when we go East. We're like, oh my gosh, you know, but I'm sure if you're from the East and you come West, you're probably thinking the same thing. Like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. it's so brown and dry and so when yeah when these settlers come to south dakota because even south dakota for me i mean we're from utah we're surrounded by mountains uh we do have trees (laughs) we have some rivers right some lakes but even going to south dakota for me is like wow right you know it's really dry here (laughs) (laughs) and so i can't imagine coming from the east out to south dakota to homestead and to make a life out there because it just it is very barren. Right. There's no water. I mean, there's water under the surface, I'm sure, and it does rain and stuff, but you're not looking at like big massive rivers or bodies of water really. Yeah. And so <laughs> that would have just been a terrible joke. Oh my to gosh. To claim your 160 acres and come out and then be like, I'm gonna die out here. <laughs> After a while, they had to change kind of what they were able to give people because that people had that experience. They came out here and there's like, I can't do anything with this land. There's no way I'm sticking around. And so they had to double it. They doubled it from 160 acres to 320 acres. So now you have 320 acres with no water. Congratulations. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then later on, they realized, okay, well, even if we double it, some of that's not going to work for people. So they doubled it again so people could claim 640 acres, but they didn't even have to farm it. They just had to use it for like ranching because you can graze cattle and not need as much water. Water, you know, as you would if you were trying to actually farm something and grow something out of the ground with irrigation and things like that. And so it just illustrates to me the conflict in the West that has always surrounded water. You know, Mark Twain famously said, whiskey is for drinking and water is for fighting over. And that battle has never gone away. No, I mean, it continues. It's still in the news out here. Oh, yeah. We're still fighting over water rights. <laughs> It's true. It reminds me of an awesome old John Wayne movie called Chisholm. If you're a John Wayne fan like me, you'll know, oh, Chisholm, Chisholm. It even has this awesome song that kind of went along with it. <laughs> Chisholm. The whole thing, it started as a battle over water because John Wayne had a ranch 
And then a new guy moved in and a lot of the smaller ranchers, he would no longer let them use his water resources. And so they had to use Chisholm's water resources. And then some people still had to sell their ranches. And it was this this big old story that ended up with a lot of gunfighting and some really cool, you know, cowboys fighting each other and, you know, ranchers versus farmers. It was just a really cool thing. But it was all about water. Everything out here in the West, you know, once you settle it, you're trying to make the land productive. Everything revolves around water. And so that is a huge chapter of the human history. And it's still ongoing today. Water in the West, water in Badlands, you know, not only does water shape the Badlands, but it shapes the whole community and the culture around it as well. And so that kind of rounds out our human history a little bit going all the way back from over 12,000 years ago, you know, with the paleo archaic Indians and moving forward through the Lakota tribe and their domination of the area and then on to the settlement by Euro-Americans and a lot of agriculture until what we have now today, where a lot of what people do and how we use the land is we use it for tourism. You know, we visit Badlands and we experience it. You know, we share it with our family and friends and we tell everybody about our visit to Badlands and how cool it was, you know, and our experiences with it and everything like that. And so that's fun fact number five. The human history of Badlands is super cool. It's super messy, but it's still ongoing today and it's super neat. Yeah, I love that. I think that it's really uh, an interesting area to delve into that a little bit more. So if you want to... You definitely can. (laughs) Uh, There's so much to learn and just so much that you can gather as you're traveling around the Rapid City area. Right. And you can learn you can learn a lot more about the area just by spending time there. So it's a really beautiful park. And I think what makes it really cool to me is just that it's a little bit more off the beaten path from the regular stuff that you do around Rapid City and Mount Rushmore. And so you get a different taste of the area. Uh, There's, I just love the history of the the paleontology and the geology and the the Lakota people. And so uh, come to Badlands and really just enjoy that. Soak it in and have a great trip. If you need any help planning your trip, we've got a ton of stuff on Dirt in My Shoes for Badlands and the surrounding area. Uh, plus the new itinerary that I Woo-hoo! hope to release here in a couple weeks, probably sometime around June, the beginning of June. But that will walk you through exactly what I would do through Badlands and all of the other stuff that you can do as well, which there's just so much to do in this area. <laughs> so we hope that you have a great time on your trip or that you've enjoyed at least learning about Badlands so that you can put it on your bucket list. And hopefully we'll see you in South Dakota soon. Thanks for exploring the national parks with us. Please share, like, and subscribe. And if you need any help planning your own trip, click on over to dirtinmyshoes.com. See you next week. Same time, same place. And don't forget to get some dirt in your shoes.